welcome to New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. Steady, Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast. This is Pastor Eric, and I'm in my office here um, with Mitch Sade, who is um, a product of this own congregation and even this part of the state of Illinois. So welcome, Mitch. Why don't you, um, as we get started, why don't you just give me a little bit of background about yourself? All right. Yeah. So uh, I grew up in Erie, Illinois, which is pretty close to Sterling here. And from the summer of 2012 through the summer of 2017, I was the youth director here at New Life. And so that was five years of working with awesome families and awesome students and parents and really enjoyed uh, my time here, my work here. And then about halfway through that time, um, God started to lead in a, a different direction and, and leading New Life in another direction. Um, and so that was to the mission field. And so for the past two years, I've been in a country in Southeast Asia uh, serving as a missionary over there. And we, we're going to be really careful with how we uh, talk about where you are because it's not very friendly to the gospel right now. And so um, throughout this conversation, just so you guys, our listeners know, um, we will not be stating what this country is. We'll talk a little bit about the culture there and, and um, maybe the, some of the belief systems there and, and Mitch's work there. But uh, we don't have, we can't share that information um, over the airwaves. So, uh, but why don't you, Mitch, tell us about uh, the nature of your work there where you are now? Sure. So uh, where I live, um, you know, it, it's, it's open to foreigners in, in that people can go in on a tourist visa or a business visa and so on. But um, in terms of missionary work or religious work visas, those aren't available. So we have to kind of be uh, creative in the way that we live and work in, in the country. But um, yeah, so I've been there for two years and <clears throat> have primarily focused on language learning the first couple of years. Um, did so through a university in the big city and did, did uh, group classes for about six months at this university. And it was okay. I think our, our teacher was very good and there was a lot of content, mm-hmm. uh, but in terms of uh, practicing the language and, and listening and speaking, I was with a group of other foreigners, uh, mostly Korean and Japanese people as well. And so uh, we were uh, kind of practicing our language together. So I was spoke, I was speaking broken I was speaking the language in a broken way with with other people who were you know speaking and learning as well. So I didn't I didn't think that was the the best method for mm-hmm. me. So after about six months, I switched to a different method called GPA, uh, where I meet one on one with a language nurturer, and he helps me uh, learn the language. So basically, I I have the lessons planned out, and I learn what I want to learn, what I need to learn, and I kind of coach um, the nurturer through helping helping me. And the way that worked was uh, I had just met a university student a, a few months previously, and uh, he, we kind of had a good connection. He seemed like a real good guy. And uh, so I just asked him, hey, would you want to help me learn uh, the language one-on-one? And, and I, you know, I can pay you, and we'll, uh, we'll just you know, practice our languages together, and, and we can, you'll help me learn the language. And so he was on board with that. And so I've been working with him for a while now. So I've, I have found that the one-on-one method uh, for me has been mm. better than the, the small group method of language learning. For ministry, I've um, been working with some, some uh, house churches in the area and mm-hmm. they, they are registered. And so that's a good thing. Um, so they can, they can uh, have their, their services and, and so on without uh, too much fear of, of persecution, but uh, there are some restrictions still in, in the city and in the country. And so 
uh, have been working with the house, house Church and then doing a lot of evangelism, particularly with university students and young professionals. So there is a, uh, a park in the middle of the city where a lot of university students and young professionals will go every day, but especially on the weekends, to meet foreigners and to practice their mm. English. Mm-hmm. And so I'll kind of try to take advantage of that and go down there every once in a while and, uh, and do just that, meet people and help them uh, practice English. And then um, I'll kind of build friendships and relationships uh, through that way. And then uh, as God gives opportunity, we'll, we'll share the gospel uh, with them. Great. And I don't know, um, I can't remember if you use this term or not, um, but it was floating around when you gave us an update a couple months ago, but it was friendship evangelism, mm-hmm. where it was really building, um, you're just building personal relationships with people and then letting the gospel kind of bubble up out of those relationships, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's just that. It's, it's building uh, the personal relationships. And, and um, here I am, a, a foreigner living in their country, and, and I'm interested in them, and they're interested in me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we can go out and grab a cup of coffee or tea. I've had some people over to my apartment, have made spaghetti for them. Um, so just different things to, mm-hmm. to, to build a, a genuine friendship and mm-hmm. a genuine relationship. And then from that, God gives opportunity to share the gospel. And instead of just, uh, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not cold, it's not systematic, it's, it's, it's more dynamic and, and, and personal and warm. Um, and so from, from that comes the good uh, gospel opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it sounds like that um, allows you to uh, e- evangelize in a way that's even even kind of legal where you are um, because you're not going there with a program to proselytize yeah. individuals. You're you're going there and meeting people and you're helping them with their English and you're also, you know, learning uh, their language as well. And then those relationships can produce um, some of the life change that yeah. that we know that Jesus can bring, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's life on life. And um, just as, you know, two people hanging out at their house or a coffee shop, wherever, they're going to talk about the things that are important in their Mm -hmm. life. And so Mm -hmm. whether that's family and children, sports, work, weather, whatever it is, um, that's, that's great. And so that's the conversations that we have. Mm -hmm. What's important in my life is, is knowing the Lord and Mm -hmm. and, and making him known. And so that's, it's just a natural topic of, of conversation. Sure. That's good. So, so talk to me about, um, the country that you're in, kind of how it's broken up and, and you, you felt called there, with a specific group of people in mind. Um, and so kind of tell us about what your plans are with, with that group of people as well. Sure. So, uh, you know, I, the, I guess the older I get, the, the more I, I realize that uh, the United States of America is a, a very unique place. And when we use the term melting pot, it's, it's so true. Mm. And what melts uh, eventually kind of just comes together. And so we have a whole bunch of people from all over the world that over the past 240 some years has, have, have come together and melted together. And so it's a little bit, bit different uh, where I am because it's you know, people that have, have been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so you have uh, 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 the majority people, but then you also have these uh, ethnic minority groups. Mm-hmm. And this is true uh, all, all across Asia, really, but all across Southeast Asia. Um, you have these several, uh, several hundred different ethnic groups, and so the the country where I where I live um, does have one uh, majority people group, and then several ethnic minority groups, and so uh, with that comes a lot of diversity in uh, in in culture and traditions, uh, food and clothing, and 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 even religions and customs and and so on. So it's kind of a a beautiful mix of, of diversity in its own sense that is different than the beauty of diversity in, in this mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. Um, but the culture, yeah, so the, the big cities are, are, are definitely different than the countryside. Um, <clears throat> most of the, um, I guess there's a big, there's a big range in, in income. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, I think the, the national average is, is considerably lower than, than our national average here in the States. But, uh, but at the same time, there's, there are certainly wealthy people, mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, there are wealthy people and there are, uh, very, very, very poor mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, these two groups might be living side by side, literally mm-hmm. side by side at times. And so for me, it's, it's kind of, a being from small town Midwest where, 
Um, and, and in my view, it's uh, most things are the same. And, and even where there is difference, it's it's not a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's not one person making 1,000 times the amount as, mm-hmm. as somebody else. It's um, And so, yeah, so seeing these these two extremes side by side is, uh, it's kind of difficult to process sometimes, uh, but it's, it's unique. And the countryside is, is beautiful, um, somewhat pristine still, kind of yeah. you know, a lot cleaner than, than the big cities. And so it's nice to, to get out there and breathe the, the clean air and see the blue skies and the mm-hmm. green trees and the green grass and uh, take that all in. Um, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's definitely a different culture. Um, sometimes it's, it's, it's really hard to explain, but um, you know, because people are, are people and, and they're going to value family. Mm-hmm. They're going to, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to value their, uh, their friends and so on. But, uh, how that all plays out is, is sometimes different. And, and that's, it's hard to explain even after two years, it's, it's hard to explain the, the difference, uh, in cultures that I see. But, but when you're there and, and you're in the midst of it, you, you, you do see and feel the difference. It's just hard to put words to at times. Yeah. So talk to me about Christianity in this country. What, what is the, uh, how has Christianity impacted this country? What kind of percentages are we talking about? Who's Christian? Who's not? Is it attached to particular people groups? Kind of talk, talk to us about how that all works. Yeah. So at, at this point in time, um, maybe about 2% of the country are, um, followers of Christ are, are gospel believing, um, born again, uh, believers in, in Jesus. And, the other 98% are uh, a, a few different things. So maybe about half the country is, is Buddhist. Um, a good portion of the country, maybe a third or more, would, would claim no religion. And then you have some, a little bit of uh, Hinduism and uh, some Islam and, and a few other different religions as well. Uh, but pretty much everybody practices ancestral worship. Mm. And I'll mm. get back to that in a moment. But as far as the believers... Um, so the, the majority people group are, are roughly 2% followers of Christ. And then you have these many different ethnic minority groups. And some of them actually are, uh, are majority, are, are majority Christian that, you know, most Mm. of them would claim Christianity as their religion, but then you also have a, a good number of them that are, that are the unreached people groups. Um, so incredibly small percentage, if anything at all of people who know and, and believe Jesus. So you mentioned that there were um, only 2% of this country is Christian, which means 98% aren't, which is going to be a far cry from what we experience here in the States, where Christianity has so pervaded the culture that there's references to it all throughout our literature, all throughout our stories, all throughout, I mean, everything that we do. Um, It's kind of oriented around the Christian belief, or at least the themes of the Christian belief. So... I mean, so you say unreached people groups. Are these people who have never heard the gospel, never heard the name Jesus, or are these people that have just never had an intentional um, evangelism effort in in that community? Yeah, so, um, yeah, good question. So there are, uh, like, physical church buildings with, you know, a cross on the, on the top and so on, and in, in, in not in every town, but in the big cities. Um, but yeah, only two percent of the of the people are, are followers of Christ. So, uh, so there's physical church buildings and there's there's house churches where um, people don't have the the resources or the the space to 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 build a church, so they just meet in their homes, and that works fine. Um, but yeah, in terms of like un unreached people, so uh, we you know we live in a culture where uh, there's uh, a lot of people who aren't following Christ, and and I think. You know, as as believers, our heart breaks for that, and we want our neighbors, our our, our coworkers, um, the people that we share our communities with. We we really we want them to experience, and, and I'm talking about here in, in the states that uh, we want them to experience the the same forgiveness that that we've experienced, and and we want them to experience the love of God that that's been so freely given to us, and the salvation and eternal life, mm-hmm. and all these um, countless. Uh, infinitely valuable gifts that are are free to us in Christ. We want others to experience those, and and even though we probably all know people who uh, who are not believers, but like you said, um, there's 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 a lot more opportunity here for people to um, to drive by churches and and mm-hmm. to see uh, where you know where the gospel is preached and, and taught, 
and then to interact with on a, probably on a daily basis, mm-hmm. people who do follow Christ. And then, you know, we have opportunity uh, here to share the gospel with, with, uh, with those people as well, uh, out, of, out of a heart of love that desires people to, again, experience what we've so freely experienced in Christ. And so over in uh, Southeast Asia, where I live, things are a little bit different in that, yeah, there are uh, groups of people that are, that are unreached. And so the, the technical term uh, speaks to um, the indigenous church not being populated enough to reach their own people. Mm. So for example, if there's a, a group of people, uh, an ethnic minority group that's 100,000 people, and the church is... Uh, maybe only a thousand people. That's one percent, right. and so the thought is like this: one percent of people is is not going to be able to reach their people group, aside from at this point outside help uh, coming, coming in. in as well. Okay. And so, but with with these unreached people groups, yeah, there there's definitely people that will have that have been born, uh, will live their whole lives, and then will die, and never having heard the name Jesus. Mm. Um, not not worshipped, not even spoken in vain, mm. and so um, just a, a different uh, a different kind of way of 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 life that that they they don't have access to um, uh, Bibles in their language. So so each ethnic minority group usually has their own spoken language and, and probably written language as well. And so the Bible would not at this point is not translated into their languages. Um, they probably don't interact with another person who is a who is a believer and, and wouldn't wouldn't have that that opportunity that interaction um, yeah and so if you know if, if the name of, of Jesus is uh, is in their language in some way they they would not have, have heard of of his name yet let alone have any clue about about who he is and when I think about the gospel um, you know there's there's probably I, I hesitate to say this, but there's probably people in every church where if they were asked, uh, hey, share the gospel with me, they might not be able to do, do that. Yeah. And so so when I think about that, I, it's important that no matter where we are, uh, that we that we know the gospel, mm-hmm. especially if we're, if we're going to be following Christ, we yeah. should be able to verbalize and, and speak and proclaim and declare and share mm-hmm. uh, the gospel in, in words. And, uh, and I think... If I, I maybe I'm biased, but I think we at New Life do a really good job of that, mm. and not just in our sermons, but other elements mm-hmm. of the service. It's of the service itself. We um, we are in some way singing and or speaking the gospel message right. in our in our confession and the response, um, and in the creeds and so on. These are different ways of, yeah. of verbalizing the gospel. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so for those that uh, uh, in other countries where they don't have access to the gospel. Um, yeah, it's another just another layer of of, of things to, to work through in terms of uh, getting the gospel to them in their language in a way that speaks to their heart. Awesome, awesome. So, talk to me about what we're in this series, a sermon series, and you came and you you were, you preached last weekend here at New Life, um, or it'd be two weekends ago when we published this podcast. So, talk to me about. Um, we're in this series called Everyday Evangelism. You spoke about evangelism specifically. So talk to me about what evangelism what evangelism looks like in your context, in your country, in the college students that you're interacting with on a regular basis. What is like like how what is your approach to evangelism and how do you kind of walk people through um, some of those, you know, how do you how do you walk with people to the gospel as you have conversations with them? Yeah, so good question. Um, as I spoke about, or as I preached two weeks ago, um, the the passage was from the book of Acts in the seventeenth chapter, where Paul is in Athens, and he's just kind of walking around the city and, and taking it all in, and, and sees that uh, the people are religious. He says they're very religious in every way, and so there's there's shrines and there's there's idols and there's temples and there's all these things that. That Paul sees as an open door to to engage people in conversation and to share the gospel, and so I think in in some ways I, I do the same thing. So as I walk around my city, um, I see the the temples and the the pagodas and the shrines and the statues and all these things, and you can see that uh, the people are, as Paul says, as the Bible says, they're religious, very religious in every way. And so as I meet young people and university students and and, and just have a, a kind of a get-to-know-you conversation. 
Um, eventually, the, the topic of religion will come up, or, or even why I'm in, in uh, serving in that nation. And, and I'll just say that, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus, and, and uh, I, I was praying and, and, and seeking the Lord, and, and I believe that He was calling me to come and, and live in this nation and, and to share the gospel with the people. And so that definitely piques their, uh, their curiosity. And then as we just talk about, you know, what, what do we believe? What do the people in, in your city, in your country, what do most of them believe? Uh, what does it mean to be Buddhist? What does it mean to be an an, uh, uh, worshiping ancestors? And uh, what does it mean to, be, uh, to not have religion in this culture and in this context? And so those are open doors to gospel conversations. So for most people, um, they practice ancestor worship, where what that means is, uh, they have in their home a uh, an, an altar, and they'll have the pictures of their ancestors on the altar, and they'll usually leave some kind of food offering to the to the altar to the ancestors, and they'll they'll literally pray to their ancestors, asking for luck and, and guidance. And uh, I I myself I come from a, a big family and, and have a long uh, I I know the long history mm-hmm. of my family, and I and I'm very proud of that. And so in some ways I can connect with uh, the people where I live because uh, I too am, am at least proud of uh, my, my ancestors and, and the heritage. I don't, I don't pray to them or mm-hmm. expect them to give me luck and guidance and so on, but um, you know, have family pictures that go back generations of, mm-hmm. of people that have uh, passed away years and years ago. And, and so that's another good uh, connection point to, uh, to, to share the gospel there. Yeah, so all these uh, all these different elements of the culture that that you see and and are curious about and ask ask questions and then they're curious about my culture and my beliefs and so on and and so it just leads to good um, gospel centered conversations and opportunities to share the gospel. So how that works for me usually is um, we just talk about um, following Christ and and what that means and then how and why I became a believer. And then how and, and how uh, anyone else can become a believer by by faith in Jesus. And so I think it's um, knowing the gospel and then sharing the gospel and and then knowing that it's going to be the Holy Spirit that mm. that works on on people's uh, hearts and in their lives. And and if someone comes to faith in Christ, it's because uh, the Holy Spirit has enabled them to to do that through the proclamation of His Word. Um, Paul says, you know, how can they believe on the one in whom they have not heard? And so they have to hear uh, the name of Christ and the yeah. story of Christ, the yeah. gospel, um, to believe in Christ. And it's the, uh, uh, Paul also says that the gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's through the, the, the speaking of, of God's word that um, God opens hearts uh, and minds mm-hmm. and lives to himself. Yeah. And so for me, the... Uh, the evangelism happens just and uh, often in one-on-one conversations and just talking about uh, what I believe and 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 one of the one of the areas I, I do this as well is, is having done a little traveling in the in the countryside. A lot of the people in the big city grew up uh, in different provinces, different parts of the country, and and have made their way to the big city for university or work mm-hmm. or whatever else. And so, um, the more I travel, the more I can have that personal connection and saying, oh yeah, I've actually been to that province or, or that city or that part of the country. And then I'll say, you know, it's, it's just incredibly beautiful, um, God's creation in, in this country with the ocean and, and the mountains and, and, uh, and just the different things in nature and kind of saying, you know, man, God created this nation beautifully. And, you know, it's hard to believe, but uh, just praise God for for mm. His creation, and and that that opens another door for uh, for evangelism and, and sharing the gospel. And so, yeah, it's a lot of one on one conversations. But then another way is more kind of in a group setting. Um, so most people, you know, they want to learn English. Mm-hmm. Maybe they need to learn English for their university or their career. And so, having um, uh, English clubs or English 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 classes and using the scripture as a text for a reading exercise mm-hmm. or um, a critical thinking exercise. And, and so, yeah, it's using the scripture and then, again, allowing, knowing that that is the word of God and it's going to penetrate hearts in, in a way that only it can. And so having these um, different clubs or classes of, 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 of folks that are wanting to learn English um, and then using the scripture in those English classes. Wow. So have you found... Um 
we know that the word of God, the Holy Spirit in the word of God does what he wills. And because people are dead until they're not dead, right? So, so hearts are dead until they're not. And then um, by hearing the word, they, they can be brought to life. Do you, have you found a positive response when you have those conversations with people, you introduce the, the proclamation of the gospel and, uh, and it sounds in, in probably very, what would seem fairly gentle ways, right? You're not, you're not really heavy handed about this right. is the truth. This is what, you know, this is the reality of, of things. It sounds like you're, you're offering it more gently and providing, um, uh, a space to invite more conversation and more questions, which I think is probably the, the best approach. <laughs> yeah. Um, so have you found a positive response? Like, do you, do you feel like, um, uh, the, the word of God has, has, has affected people's lives since you've been there? Yeah, so I've, I found a, a number of responses, and and, and as you just said, I, I think um, maybe you know, in my own uh, assessment of myself, maybe maybe I am too gentle at times, and 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 uh, you know, not uh, maybe I'm I'm hesitant or reluctant to get to the point where I uh, you know ask somebody to make a decision and um, based on, on on sharing the gospel but yeah so I, I think I, I do tend to do so gently uh, more so than argumentatively or uh, any other type of uh, word to describe it as well but in terms of responses yeah there's been a little bit of everything um, I would say that the, the typical response is is apathy honestly mm. uh, that most people, I mean, yeah, it's it's cool to have a conversation and to find out what this goofy foreigner believes, but right. um, beyond that, there's there's not much uh, there's not many people that uh, that that care. It seems like, mm. and that's been a little discouraging, I think, mm. in terms of um, you know wanting people to care, uh, but typically as. You know, we want people to care about the things that we're passionate about, right? And so, uh, and so, obviously, with with the gospel and, and eternal salvation, like I want people to care about that. And so, it's been maybe a little discouraging as when some of the response is um, uh, apathy or, or not caring. But mm. uh, other people, then yeah, they're 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 intrigued. They're um, it, it speaks to their hearts, and and they they do want to know more. Um, I have I have read some some research lately that says. In, in, in the Buddhist context, it usually takes about five years on average. Um, well, this was, this was specifically for people who uh, are, are, were Buddhist in their younger years and then came to faith in Christ. Um, it took them about five years mm. of, of walking alongside other believers, be it missionaries or local believers, and, um, and hearing the gospel and maybe having some involvement in church but on average, about five years from the time of, of first meeting these people to coming to faith in Christ. Wow. Um, and that's specifically in, in with Buddhist background people mm-hmm. who are now believers. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of a, an interesting thing. But um, yeah, it just it takes it takes time, and and you maybe uh, God doesn't always work as quickly as I would yeah, right. like him to at times. But other times he works faster than expected. Um, you know, one of the one of the people that. Um, that I had been working am working with um, was a young professional that mm. um, you know hadn't even heard of Christmas until she moved to the big city as a as a teenager. Oh wow! And uh, and then she started coming to through the invitation of another friend um, started coming to a uh, an English Bible study and, and and God was clearly working on on her heart and um, started going also to a local church. And um, through that one night, uh, yeah, gave her her life to Christ and put wow. her faith in Christ. Wow! Um, at this at this local church, and has gone through the the baptism class and been baptized and being discipled and so on. So it's mm. just a, a number of different mm-hmm. responses that that come from this this one on one evangelism. Another thought that comes to mind is uh, another friend that uh, man. He and I have had a number of 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 gospel centered conversations. And I mm-hmm. think that he could almost say the gospel. If, if I asked him to share the gospel with someone, he could do, he could do so, wow. but he's not at a place where he has faith in Christ mm-hmm. yet. And I think he, he understands it cognitively. Um, but it's just not in his heart yet. It's not, he, again, he doesn't have faith yet. And a part of this is because of the dynamics of, of that culture and he himself, um, not wanting to be different 
than pretty much mm. everyone else he knows, right. and and definitely everybody in his family, his parents, his siblings, uh, uncles and aunts and grandparents. None of them are are believers, and it just might be that that he'll be the first, and and there'll be a ripple effect through his family. I hope and pray that's the case. But um, right now, he's he's very uh, not yet able to to step out in faith and to give his life um, to Christ because of. Uh, the kind of the the family dynamics that are honestly are, are different than family dynamics uh, here in in the states. Mm. Um, it's it's hard to explain, but um, the way that cultures approach family and the beliefs and, and so on are, are just different. Absolutely, both cultures value and respect and love and honor and cherish their families, but the out, the outworking of that is a little bit different. Um, and so it's more of a, you know, we tend to be rugged individuals here right. in the States that, you know, you kind of pick yourself up by the bootstraps type of a mentality. And, um, and, and over there, it's a little bit more of the group, uh, the group culture, the group thinking. And, mm-hmm. um, so it's really difficult to, to be an individual and to, you know, to express yourself. And, yeah. and, you know, I think one of the catchphrases is, you know, you do you here, here mm-hmm. in the States. And yeah. it's all about. Uh, you know, if you're different, then then you know you're to be praised and put on a right, pedestal for right. being different. A little so, but the the culture is different over there, and uh, and there's not as much of that individualism. Um, and so, as uh, with that in mind, then people tend to be a little bit slower in moving uh, towards uh, Christ because they know that that will make them different than than most everybody else in their in their lives. Yeah, and I think that I've heard. Um and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard that just in general, Western cultures um, tend to be a little bit more, uh, they're a little bit more pun- punishment based. It's a little bit like like morality based cultures um, where there's there are hard lines between right and wrong. There's the ideal right and the ideal wrong. You know, and that's how our governments are set up where there are laws and if you break the laws and you know, there's punishment along with those, you know, those sorts of things where it's like a very like morality heavy, even, and and maybe that's because of the influence of the Roman Catholic church and then the Protestant church and uh, in general, Eastern cultures tend to be more shame based where the, the greatest good is not some ideal, but is the community, your family, your, you know, those sorts of things, which sounds like, um, might be the case here. And one of the interesting things here in the States that people have noticed is that there's now a, a generational shift where young people are becoming shame-based, where the worst thing that can possibly happen to somebody is they are uh, kicked out of the community. They are ostracized ostracized from the community. Um, and that's reflected oftentimes in um, when when if somebody makes a big mistake and it's caught on camera and then it's posted all over the internet, that person is like, is a total social reject. And that's the worst possible thing that can happen to a young person is something bad that they do gets caught on camera and the community turns against them. Um, so, and I, I imagine because of that in the past here in the States, it's been, especially with the influence of Christianity where, even people who've never been inside of a church, they might be able to hit six out of the 10 commandments if they tried to, to think about them. You know, they could probably pull up six out of the 10 commandments if they wanted to, um, where it's that really heavy morality base. It's, it's, there's been a particular approach to evangelism here where we've started with, you are broken and you need to be fixed. That's kind of how we've approached evangelism in the past, um, is that you are a sinner and you're going to go to hell if you don't change. Um, and you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and change your behavior, you're, you're going to go to hell. That's how we've kind of approached it. And I imagine it's probably a much longer, because you're, you're working against, you just like you mentioned, you're not, you probably can't lead with that kind of thing because that, they don't think in that binary, the Eastern cultures don't think in that binary. It's about the community, what's good for the community, what's best for the community. So I imagine it does take longer just because you almost have to, you, you have to help, you have to, you have to, you have to infiltrate that, that culture and you have to infiltrate that community a little bit more and you have to bring the gospel up through that community rather than like coming from the Western culture and being like, no, you need to think about it like, like we've thought about it. 
you know, it's like, okay, I have to re, I have to think about the gospel in a new way and think about the implications of the gospel to this people group that is all about their family and all about shame and all about, um, some of those things. I imagine that's just a longer process to walk with somebody to the gospel in that, in that environment. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, what comes to mind is uh, I, I read a book a little more than a year ago called The 3D Gospel, and it talks about how um, across the globe there's, there's basically um, uh, kind of three underlying uh, foundations of, of, of cultures. And so in the West, we tend to be more uh, guilt and innocence. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the global South, they tend to be more uh, fear and power based. Mm. And then in the East, they tend to be more, like you said, uh, shame and oh, honor okay. based, and so um, yeah. So for for me, and I I, I recognize this uh, in my first year of living here was was my uh, my my view of the gospel and the way I presented it uh, was definitely uh, guilt innocence based, and because that's the culture that I grew up in, in the church culture that I grew up in, where mm-hmm. uh, we do we do tend to focus on uh, the elements of scripture where we talk about. Um, that we're we're guilty of sin, and we've we've broken uh, what God has said. We've broken the commandments. We've done what God has said not to do, and we haven't done what God has said to do. And mm. so we're we're guilty. But uh, Christ died for us, which is uh, uh, you know the the legal elements of the gospel, where the price was paid uh, for us, and and the redemption, uh, and the the penal substitution, and so on. That Christ died for our in our place, and so then we receive His innocence, where He was perfectly without sin, and then through faith we receive His righteousness, His innocence, and so that's that's obviously a, a great thing and, mm-hmm. and 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 appropriate to focus yeah. on. But there's other elements of Scripture, yeah. and there's and there's other um, there's other elements of Scripture that would speak better to different mm-hmm. cultures. Yeah. And so uh, when we think about the 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 honor shame culture, uh, where it's, it's, we have, have dishonored our father. Mm-hmm. Like we have, uh, we're, we're, we're in a broken relationship with our creator. Right. And that's, that's shameful. We've brought shame upon the name of God in the way that mm. we've, we've lived. Uh, but we can, uh, we can receive Christ's honor that God has given to Christ through his work, infinite honor. And Christ offers right. that to, to us, uh, through, through the gospel, through his, his death, uh, on the cross and his resurrection. And so that it doesn't take away from the, the guilt, innocence, uh, truths of the gospel, but it, it shines a light on, on a different facet, a different yeah. aspect of the gospel. Um, mm. and so I, I one mm. of the ways I've, I've seen this specifically is, um, I was having a conversation maybe a month or two ago with a, a young guy that I'd met and, and it was like the, the easiest open door conversation mm. ever, because he just flat out said to me, do you think God forgives us of the wrong things we do? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. But I think, well, he said that because in this culture, um, your name carries a lot of meaning. Uh, and yeah. so maybe, you know, over there, maybe your name means water or your name means sunrise or your name, you know, has some sort of a meaning to it. Yeah. Or in, in this case, his name meant heart. And so I'm often asked the question, you know, what does your name mean? And my name means, it's my name is a question. It means who is like God? And mm. so it's a rhetorical question, and the answer is no one, of course, but yeah. that's the, the meaning of my name. And so, um, so when people, so I ask them, you know, what does your name mean? And they'll say, oh, my name means your beautiful sunrise, or my name um, means heart, or whatever it means. And then they'll ask me, what does your name mean? And, I'll, and I said, well, my name is a question, and it means who is like God? And so the person that I was talking to just said right then and there, wow. do you think God will forgive us of the wrong mm. things we do? Mm. <laughs> and so... And so I just replied, I said, well, what do you think? Do you think God can forgive you of, of the wrong things you've done? And he said, well, I've never done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and which made me think, well, then why are you asking the question? question yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And so, but I kind of pressed into that a little bit and I said, well, you know, I, I, I've done some wrong things. I've, I've stolen before, I've lied before, I've said words I shouldn't say and, 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 and on and on down the list. Are you sure you've never done anything wrong? And he said, well, I've, I've never done anything to intentionally hurt someone. Yeah. That was his reply. And said, I said, okay, that's, that's, that's doable. Um, but I said, well, what, what do you think? You know, if, if you needed to be forgiven, do you think God would, for, would forgive you? 
And he said, well, I don't need forgiveness. I have this. And he, he reached down into his shirt and he pulled out his, his necklace and there was a, a Buddha statue. Mm. And so some, for some reason in his mind, he said, he said uh, I don't need to be forgiven. I have this, so I'm protected. Huh. And so I, I I don't know what you know what exactly is going on in, in his 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 thoughts his mind, uh, but for some reason he felt like he was protected from something uh, right. that might come maybe it's it's karma or it's uh, right. it's dishonor or whatever it is he's protected from this bad thing that might result from hurting someone or doing something bad uh, from this little. Buddha statue on on his on his necklace. Mm. Um, so that was a, a, a good conversation, which led into talking about that. Well, you know, I I believe that as as human beings, like we're all sinful and we all have done bad things. But God is willing and able to yes to forgive us of the bad things we've done. In fact, He's demonstrated His willingness to forgive us uh, by sending His Son. Jesus to die on uh, on the cross mm-hmm. for our sins and to be raised to mm-hmm. life again, and that by faith, one of the things we receive by faith in Christ is forgiveness of our sins. And so that was, again, just a, a really yeah. easy open door to walk through, but yeah. a good uh, gospel-centered conversation. Yeah. It, it just, it strikes me, you know, you you and I are both in our late 20s. I'm actually 33, but I'll take okay. late 20s. That's okay. <laughs> we're both, we're both in our, in our, in the the twenty five to thirty five range, perfect. And uh, and and you work with youth, so you know this uh, probably really well, intimately well. Um, that young people right now are just so different from any generation that's gone before them, and it's almost like it. You know, in you talk to somebody who's uh, a silent generation, baby boomer, Gen Xer. For the most part, overall, they're going to be able to they 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 would probably be able to enumerate to you a pretty close uh, or something that's analogous to the kind of sinful the the sinful view of humanity that man has fallen. There's and it it won't be exactly what Scripture says because Scripture is so nuanced in how it deals with that and exactly what that fallen fallenness is. But for the most part, you know, they could say, oh, yeah, you know, people are just bad. You know, they're inherently bad and we need to try to do better somehow. Like that's kind of how they would approach that. Um, But as you know, with with young people, what older generations, even if they are not don't really, you know, kind of agnostic agnostic about God or like they're like, oh, well, I'm a good person. You know, I I try my best. So God's good. You know, God loves me and he'll he'll forgive me. Um, But they they understand that they're that they're a little bit messed up, even if they try hard, but young people don't have that. Like, like sin just doesn't register as sin. Um, there's cause there just hasn't been that really hard line, right? That the guilt and innocence kind of environment um, that you had. So you almost have to do the work of like lowering people's anthropology and saying, you know what you think, uh, even things that you don't realize negatively impact you and others negatively impact you or others. Um, so it's almost like kind of doing what Jesus did in the Sermon on the Mount and saying, you've heard it said that it do not commit murder. But I say to you, even if you're angry with somebody, you know, so you almost have to like do the work of reintroducing just, just how messed up, <laughs> you know, we all are mm-hmm. um, to kind of approach because that honor shame doesn't have that same environment it sounds like with this with this individual you talk to it's more like well i'm good and i just need protection from things um i need protection from negative influences and not necessarily like oh i i actually need a new heart you know i i need to be rebuilt um that kind of seems is that is that the case with most kind of that the general culture of the country that you're in it's not oh i need to be completely renovated from the inside out it's more i'm i'm good on my own and I just need protection from my ancestors or I need protection from bad spirits or I need protection um, from those bad, bad energies or spirits in the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good thought. I think um, maybe, maybe a perspective from uh, the average uh, person where I live would, would be kind of i uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good because I'm, I'm in the group and, mm. and I'm, I'm accepted um, I know there's, you know, I can push the boundaries maybe a little. I've, 
you know, messed up here or there. But um, as long as I don't do something crazy bad, then then I'll then I'll be accepted. I'll I'll be in the group. But like you said, it's um, it's not that we uh, need a little bit of a renovation. It's it's we need an entirely new heart, and you know, mm-hmm. only only made 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 possible through um, through God giving us you know that mm-hmm. that new heart. And, and you know, I I should say that there are lots of negative things that come along with the guilt and innocence environment that we grew up in and definitely people, you know, the West, West engages in because there's no, um, then churches. So I, I imagine that church, local churches there are, are very, very close knit communities because you really are a new family. You really are a new people. Um, you're a new in crowd that, um, people are a part of. So I imagine you don't get a lot of the nominal, you know, here at new life, there are, we have 700 members and only 333 bother to show up on any given Sunday. You know what I mean? And even, even on Easter or and Christmas Eve, you know, the two biggest holidays in the Christian calendar, we don't get anywhere near all of our members in one place at one time. So there's just not a lot of commitment to the group. There's not a lot of commitment to the new humanity and it's, well, God has saved me. So I'm okay. It's that guilt and innocence. So I imagine that the church is there. Um, tend to be really close knit. Is that the case? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, because Christianity is so small in, in, in number and percentage, um, that, you know, there, there still are times where if someone comes to faith in Christ and they, they might, they could be, there are times when people are basically disowned, oh, wow. um, from their families and, and kind of turned, uh, I mean, that's, that would be not common, but okay. definitely does still happen. And so, yeah, it's, it's, you know, when you look at the body of Christ and, and when the Bible talks about adoption into God's family and how he becomes our, our father and Christ is our elder brother, and then the wider community of, of the church being the, the family of God and, and brothers and sisters in Christ, that that takes on a, a whole other meaning um, in places around the world and mm-hmm. specifically where I am as well, mm-hmm. um, that, yeah, that it, that, it, that it can become kind of more the, 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 the family feel um, if and when someone has, has in some ways lost their family because they've become a follower of Christ. So um, I, I honestly, I, I don't know in terms of uh, membership and, and, and attendance sure, figures, but but, um, but I think, um, yeah, I think because of the smaller numbers and it's not a, it's not a culturally acceptable, you don't gain social capital by, by being a member of, of a, of a church in, in, in the Southeast Asian nation. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think there is uh, a sense where if you're a, a, a member of this group, then then there is that um, uh, that attendance factor that that comes in as well, as far as being uh, involved more heavily in the uh, in the in the body in the church there. Awesome. So so we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here, Mitch. I just want to hear from you. How can um, we here at New Life, the place that you love, that you were, that have been sent from the place that you've worked, you you know this congregation, you know these people here, you know this community, you're from this area. So how can we, you know, our listeners be, uh, how can we evangelize? What what can we do to become better evangelists uh, to our family, friends, and neighbors? Yeah, so I, I kind of shared this two weeks ago uh, when I had the opportunity to preach, but uh, maybe it's a bit simplistic, but I but I think it's pretty applicable as well. And so first is to know to know the gospel, and and I want to en- encourage um, uh, as as Pastor Eric said, I, I I do love New Life Lutheran Church, and by that I mean I love the people of of this church. And so um, uh, it's been such a, a joy and an honor and a blessing to be home and to see a lot of people. But um, yeah, in terms of of evangelism, everyday evangelism, what what does that mean? How do we live it out? Um, and so I think first is 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 knowing the gospel. And so I said earlier in this uh, this conversation that you know there's probably um, a number I have no idea what number, but a number of people that are that genuinely love the Lord and, and have faith in Christ that they wouldn't at this point in time be able to articulate with words the gospel message. And so I think first is 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 genuinely knowing intellectually knowing the gospel, and that just comes by. Um, reading the Bible and, and, and knowing the, uh, the creeds are helpful and hearing sermons preached and then coming to an understanding of, of what is this good news of salvation by grace through faith 
in Christ. And that's a, that's a one-liner right there of what the gospel is, but then being able to, um, to dive in deeper. So it's knowing the gospel uh, and then believing the gospel. I think there's the, the temptation is in, in kind of a growing relativistic culture to say, um, you know, that kind of the, the all roads eventually lead to the same place type of a thing. And, and man, conversations about heaven and hell are, are difficult no matter where you are, be it um, around the world or, or in your own hometown or, or wherever. But, and so it's, it's knowing the gospel and then believing um, the gospel and then, and then praying the gospel. And this is just, you know, thanking God for what he has done in us and, 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 and through Christ and, and uh, you know, praising him for, for his work and, and Christ's work and then praying for gospel opportunities um, to, to share what we already know and already believe. And then lastly, then would be after um, knowing the gospel, believing the gospel, praying the gospel, and then simply sharing the gospel or speaking the gospel, declaring, proclaiming, preaching, teaching the gospel, all these, these verbs, right? And so, um, and that looks like um, a, a million different ways. So, so God is, is sovereign and he has worked out every detail in our lives. And because of that, there's, uh, for every person, there's uh, an infinite number of ways to, to share the gospel, or, or at least a different num- number of an infinite number of reasons to share the gospel. And so like the things that, um, that I've experienced in my life, the good things and the bad things are going to be different than the good things and the bad things that you've experienced in your life. But it's through those life situations that there's always a, um, a redemptive element, uh, something that points us to Christ. And so, um, so when it comes to sharing the gospel, I think it's, it's, praying for these opportunities to do so and then simply uh, stepping in to that when 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 God gives that opportunity. Thank you Mitch. Appreciate it brother. Yeah, thank you very much. Yep. Be safe. Have fun and right. we'll talk to you soon. Yep.